that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Webb. Is that really in the Bible? Now, this is the second series of a program entitled How to Begin a Relationship with God Without Church and Religion. That's right, how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. And a lot of people, when they hear that title, they think, well, that I'm down on the church, that I'm against the church, that I don't like church. Uh, that may be true, by the way, but... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, and people will say, well, what about that scripture that says forsake not the assembling of ourselves together? And it's, it's important to go to church. And I agree it is. But I'm saying, what I'm saying is this. Our society has it backwards. We've got the cart in front of the horse. What our society says is choose the church of your choice. You ever heard that? You know, choose the church of your choice and then go get you some religion. And that's how most people begin a relationship with God. They choose a church and then they go out and get some religion. And I'm saying that's backwards. I'm saying first you develop a relationship with God in the absence of church and religion. It's you and your Bible. It's you and your prayer life. It's you on your knees. It's you studying the Bible. It's you talking to God. And it may be years down the road before you actually choose a church. Years. First, you begin a relationship with God without church and religion. And years later, you will choose a church. And I like to refer to it not as a church, but as a support group a support group, like a bunch of junkies trying to overcome sin, you're going to need that support group. Yes, that's important, but that's how I refer to the church, as a support group for a bunch of junkies, a bunch of junkies trying to overcome sin. But that's way on down the road. So our society has it backwards. It really does. It's got the cart in front of the horse. It's saying, you know, uh, go out and, and choose the church of your choice and get you some religion. And that's how you develop a relationship with God. Wrong. That is dead wrong. So how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. Just recently on Facebook, I saw something that I thought was very good. It said, it's not God I have a problem with. Uh, but it's his fan club I can't stand. You know, it's God's fan club that I can't stand. And I can sort of relate to that. You know, so many people, they, they enter into what they think is a relationship with God. They choose the church of their choice. They start going to church. They get them some religion. And then they're exposed to God's fan club. And many of which are very superficial, hypocritical, unconverted, and without the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what they're exposed to in their so-called relationship with God. And they say things like, well, if that's religion, I don't want anything. If that's God, and they blame God for it, you know, because they've been exposed to God's fan club. Well, a lot of those people are not even converted. You understand what I'm saying? They're not even converted. They don't have the Spirit of God. You've been exposed to the wrong kinds of people. And that's why it's important for you to develop a relationship with God without church and religion first. And once you on down the road choose a church, 
that matches your convictions, this is what you're going to find out. You're going to find out that there are a few churches that dot our land that will even match your convictions. They're few and far between. But it's critical that you develop that relationship with God in the absence of church and religion. You and God. Right? At the beginning stage, you don't need church and religion. What you need is a personal, intimate relationship with God. And that's what these series of programs is all about. So listen closely. Okay, on the last program, I talked about religious addiction. How to tell if you're addicted to religion. Now, the definition of religious addiction is this. It's being in a religion where you don't have to think and make decisions for yourself. Let me repeat that. Being in a religion or a church or whatever where you don't have to think and make decisions for yourself. Now, I want to tell you something. According to that definition, about 90% of Christian people are addicted to religion. They don't bring their Bibles to church. They don't study their Bibles. They don't they're spoon-fed what their preacher tells them. They don't prove anything. They don't blow the dust off their Bible, and they don't prove anything for themselves. They're so gullible, they just believe everything that man in the pulpit is telling them. Okay, how to tell if you're addicted to religion. All right, these are about 22 questions here. Get you a pencil and a piece of paper here. Right, the answers are very simplistic. It's true or false, okay? You got me? True or false, all right. Let's go through these to see if you are addicted to religion. Okay, number one. I never question the minister or the preacher. True or false? Number two. Questioning church authority, excuse me, church authority is always right. True or false? Three. I never question my denomination's view of doctrine. I never question my denomination's view of doctrine, true or false. Number four, my religious views have been passed down from my parents, true or false. Number five, church doctrine is always right. Number six, the more church activity I'm involved in, the more spiritual I feel. This is a personal question. The more church activity I'm involved in, the more spiritual I feel, true or false. Number seven, the more involved at church, the closer you will be to God. The more involved at church, the closer you will be to God, true or false. Number eight, joining a church makes you religious. Number nine, questioning church authority is not good, true or false. Number 10, all mainstream religion is good. All mainstream religion is good. Number 11. The longer you've been in church, the more spiritual you become. True or false? Number 12. Christianity is not a way of life. 13. Being an overcomer is not required for salvation. 14. Salvation is not a way of life. 15. Grace plus nothing. True or false? Grace plus nothing. 16. What you feel in your heart towards God is more important than what you do. What you feel in your heart, your emotions, is more important than what you do. True or false? Number 17. 
Knowing the definition of sin is not important when it comes to salvation. 18. Custom and tradition should dictate one's religion. 19. The majority, the majority, is always right. True or false? 20. Sincerity is all that is needed in one's relationship with God. Sincerity is all that is needed in one's relationship with God. 21. Overcoming sin is not required to be religious. 22. Last one. Obedience is not required for salvation. True or false? Now, okay. <clears throat> if you answer two or three is true, then you are a free thinker, not addicted to religion. If you answer it five or eight is true, you are moderately addicted to religion. If you answer it ten or more is true, you are addicted to religion. And that's right. Ten or more, and you are addicted to religion. All the answers, by the way, were false. All the answers were false. Now, question, how do you break, if you find yourself addicted to religion, where you don't think for yourself, you never question anything, you know, as the definition said here, you know, you are addicted to religion. What is religious addiction? It is being in a religion or a church where you don't have to think and make decisions for yourself. Okay, if you find yourself in that category, what can you do? Well, it's going to be necessary for you to go through a detox program, just like an alcoholic, a person who is addicted to alcohol, has to detox. In fact, what I'm talking about when I say detox, you're going to have to unlearn a lot of the things that you've learned about religion. And it's harder to unlearn things than it is to learn it the first time. It's very difficult once you have this stamped impression in your mind about the way things are with God and what you perceive as truth. It's very difficult to unlearn those things. But that's exactly what I'm saying you're going to have to do. You're going to have to go through a detox detoxification process. And one of the things you're looking for is less emotional, emotionalism and more truth. Because it is the truth that will set you free, Jesus said. And it's the truth that you know and apply that will set you free. And the real question is this that we're dealing with. Does God have any authority in your life? That's the real question. Because you cannot begin a relationship with God until you deal with that sing singular issue. And that is allowing God to have authority in your life. Now, <clears throat> without that, you can go to church, you can sing in the choir, you can do all kinds of religious activity. But the real question is, in beginning a relationship with God, is this. Are you going to allow God to have authority in your life? Is he going to be Lord of your life or not? That's the real issue. Now, how do we reach people who will never be reached through church and religion? Because this is a real concern of mine. I've always been concerned about this. How do you Because I used to be one of them, by the way, who could never be reached by church and religion. <clears throat> but my question is, how do we reach people who will never be reached? And I think it is maybe a, a huge number of people who desire to know God, desire a relationship with God, maybe who are being called of God, but they're never going to answer that call through church and religion. 
How do we reach these people? Well, Jesus talked about a city on a hill. And he said, you know, you can't hide your light. And the interesting thing, uh, interesting thing about a light is it doesn't have a mouth. It's not up there speaking. It's just a light. It is an example. An example. Your personal example that is exemplified from a personal relationship with God, that's how you can reach people who will never be reached through church and religion. You know, you're not going to reach people by being more religious and inviting them to church. You're not going to reach more people, reach people by your religious lingo, by looking religious, by dressing religious, by talking, you know, all the lingo that goes on. You know, that's not how you're going to reach people. It's got to be by personal example. And let's notice what the Bible said about Israel. If they were, if they were, if they would obey God, this is what God said was going to happen that they would be a model nation, that they would be an example nation, that all the pagans around them, the pagan countries and nations, would look to them and say this right here. Let's take a look at it. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 7. For what nation is there so great who has God so nigh to them as the Lord our God is, is in all things that we call upon him? And what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day. This is what the nations around Israel would say. They would look and say, what country, what nation is like this that has God so near and who has these statutes and judgments and laws so near them? And we're talking about obedience to the law of God. You see, the laws of God identify God. And to abandon his law is to abandon God. And that's where we're headed to as a nation. I mean, first of all, the preachers have taken God's law and nailed it to Jesus' cross. I mean, that's what you hear all the time. It's been fulfilled. It's been done away with. It's been nailed to the cross, the law of God. And we're on our way to self-destruction because we have abandoned God's law. We have abandoned God. Now this is not some self-proclaimed decoration. This is not some in God we trust or writing on our dollar bills, you know, one nation under God. No. No. This is an actual, an example of obedience to the law of God where you look at what a person is doing. You know, if you're having sex with your neighbor's wife and inviting him to church, that will never work. That will never work. In other words, a person has to look at you and say, this person actually lives as though God has authority in his life. This person actually lives as though he believes the word of God is true. That's what you got to have. And that's how you can reach people who will never be reached through church and religion. They got to see that you actually believe in doing what the Bible says. Now, I almost want to vomit when I hear people say, well, I'm religious or I'm a Christian. I tell you, it's, it's pathetic. My mother said, told me a long time ago, said, run like hell in the opposite direction. And it's anytime someone has to tell you they're religious. You know, I mean, they have to tell you they're a Christian. If they have to say they're religious, then get out of there. It should be by their example. You shouldn't have to tell people that. Not at all. 
Notice what Jesus said. Jesus said this. He said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name have cast out devils, and in your name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Now I want you to look at, not at what, what they're not doing, but I want you to look at what these people are doing. They're prophesying in Jesus' name. That means inspired preaching. They're casting out devils in Jesus' name. They're doing many wonderful works in Jesus' name. They're speaking in tongues. They're healing the sick. They've got soup kitchens for the poor. They're ministering to their community. And Jesus comes along and says, I never knew you. Depart, you workers of iniquity. And that little word iniquity just means lawlessness. It's a no-law theology. Oh, they've got all their religious good works that they're doing. And it's not, it's not that the good works are bad. It, they're, they're doing many wonderful works in Jesus' name. But they have a no-law theology. They have abandoned the law of God. And a lot of that they learn from their preachers. All the little cliches they hear from the pulpit. You know, just believe, just invite Jesus into your heart. The law's been fulfilled. The law's been nailed to the cross. The law's been abolished. They hear that from their preacher. And Jesus is going to come along and say, I never knew you because you have a no law theology. What I'm talking about is this, bottom line, church and religion without relationship. That's what it equals, church and religion without relationship. Now, I'm not saying that all people fit into this category. I'm not saying that all religious people who go to church fit into this category. I'm not saying that all of them don't have a relationship with God. But I'm, I'm beginning to wonder that it may just be a few that actually have an intimate, personal relationship with God. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament about Sodom and Gomorrah. And this was a sin-sick, perverted, twisted, um, homosexuality, rampant. It was so bad that when Lot offered his two virginal daughters to these perverts, they didn't even want the women. And I think the reason he did that as a father is because he knew they wouldn't want the women. And it was a rotten, filthy society. And Abraham comes along and starts to bargain with God. And he says, well, well suppose there's 50 good people left. And, and let me just back up a little bit, a minute here. And a lot of people don't understand how could God destroy a whole city like this? Well, I think a lot of times God looks at the children, that it's actually an, an act of mercy to end this thing instead of letting it go on. Because sometimes sin can profoundly affect children. You know, there was a time when gonorrhea, that babies were born, before they found a cure to gonorrhea, that babies were born blind. The mother had illicit sex and then got pregnant. And in the birth canal, the, the baby contracts, you know, in the eyes, this gonorrhea virus, whatever, and is born blind. Now, is that God's fault? Well, no, it was, it was a fault of the parents. But it just illustrates how that parents 
can cause their children to suffer. And I think the reason God destroyed this wicked city of Sodom and Gomorrah is because he looked down at it and he realized, if I allow this to go on, the children will become disoriented in their sexual you know, preferences. They won't know up from down, right from wrong, or anything like that. They will become twisted and manipulated themselves. And it's not worth saving. And so God destroyed this town. Well, anyway, before God destroyed it, Abraham wanted to bargain with God. And he said, well, look, suppose there's 50 good people in that town. Will you still destroy it? And God said, no, no, I won't. If I find 50 good people, I'm not going to destroy it. And Abraham continues to bargain with God. He said, well, what about 40? What about 30? What about 20? And eventually he comes around and says, no, look, God, don't squash me like a cockroach. Let me speak one more time. Suppose there's 10 good, righteous people. And God says, okay, if I find 10 good, righteous people, I won't destroy it. Well, you know what happened. God could not find 10 righteous people. The jig was up for Sodom and Gomorrah. They had abandoned God's perfect design. Man and woman, husband and wife, children, dysfunctional family system. They had abandoned it totally. And God said, there's nothing left but to destroy it. He couldn't find 10 good people left in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, what am I saying? Why am I mentioning this? Well, I'm saying this. Thank God for the 10 righteous people that is keeping this nation afloat. The 10% that, are, that is keeping this nation afloat. Thank God for the 10% that do have a relationship with God. Listen to this offer and I'll be right back. One of the hardest areas to admit that we've been lied to is the Bible. Yet the truth is, you have been lied to about the Bible. Just think about some of the assumptions that are out there about religion. Now, here are just a few. Jesus abolished the law. Jesus went to church on Sunday. Jesus celebrated Christmas. Jesus celebrated Easter. Man has an immortal soul. Lost people go to hell and burn forever. Saved people go to heaven. Today is the only day of salvation. These are all areas that we assume to be absolute truth, yet they're not absolute truth. All of these statements are lies. We've built our faith on assumptions. Now, the real question is this. Did Jesus build his church on a foundation of lies? And if the answer to that question is no, then somebody has to be wrong. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to... Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Now I want to ask you a question. Do you have a relationship with God? A personal relationship with God? Or are you just addicted to religion? Which is it? You know, Laura Schlesinger in her book, The Ten Commandments, said that it is obvious, reading through the Ten Commandments, that this relationship that God wants is a 
is not a casual relationship, but a covenant relationship that God wanted. And that is so true as you look at the Ten Commandments. It's a covenant relationship that God wants. It's not a casual relationship that God is after. And so many people are after a casual relationship with God. Yeah, yeah, they, they want to go to church. They want to sing. They want to pray. They want to have their potlucks. They want to have their fellowship. They want to have their meetings. They want to have their conferences. They want to go to church. They want a casual relationship with God. But they don't want a covenant relationship with God. And a covenant relationship with God is, thus says the Lord, do this. I expect you to do this. I expect you to keep my commandments. That's a covenant relationship with God. And most people are not interested in a covenant relationship with God. They want a casual, feel good about themselves, feel good about their religion, feel good about their church, feel like they're spiritual. You know, I'm heaven bound and I'm saved and that's it. That's all they want. They want a casual relationship with God, but they do not want a covenant relationship with God where God has the authority to tell you what to do. And I admit that we all struggle with that authority. I'm not saying I got it down perfect, not by a long shot. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying I acknowledge the fact that what God is after from me and from you is a covenant relationship. It's not some casual, kickback, feel-good religion that God is after. Now, <clears throat> on the next program, what I'm going to deal with in the next series is religious propaganda and how that a lot of people are educated. Now what we're dealing with is how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. And I talked about a detox program that you're going to have to go through. You're going to have to identify your religious addiction. And just like the test I gave you on how to tell if you're addicted to religion, another step here is getting over and identifying Relig that you've been educated by religious propaganda. propaganda. It's a soundbite. It's like a billboard sign that you see. That's what propaganda is. It's a soundbite. It's a billboard sign that you see on the side of the road. It has a few words on it. And that's how a lot of people are educated about God, through religious propaganda. People, you know, a soundbite, there was a soundbite several years ago with the election of the president where it was change. That was a soundbite. That was the propaganda. Change. And people, you know, they, they couldn't tell you what they wanted to change, who needed to change, or anything like that. It was just a good religion. It was a good propaganda soundbite. Change. Yeah, that sounds good. We need some change. Yeah. And, you know, I'm telling you, the power of propaganda will blow your mind and the power of religious propaganda has led us down the road where we think there's absolutely nothing a person must do and that's what's really in the Bible be sure and tune in next time I'm David Freeman and I'll see you next time If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 
27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.